Last week I began a series of messages called the ABCs of Christianity. Of course, there's 26 letters in the alphabet, and we began with the letter A, and we talked on the subject of assurance. The assurance of your salvation, and just how can you know that you are assured that you will be saved? Today, we want to look at the letter B. We want to talk about baptism. Simple water baptism. Now, we can read in the, New, in the Old Testament, we can read many things about the ceremonial washings or baptisms. And in the New Testament, we can read about the baptism of suffering, the baptism of fire, and even the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But today we want to look at the simple water baptism and itself alone. Very important that we understand what we're wanting to talk about this morning as we look at the letter B. Very, very important. Now, there are some who might say, well, yeah, he's a, he's a gospel preacher and he's going to preach about baptism for the church of Christ. All right? And others might contend that's all I ever talk about is baptism. But that's not correct. Right? And then also there will be some that will say, you know, you shouldn't put baptism above Christ and the cross. The point is, if I preach Christ and Him crucified, if I preach the cross, it always leads me to the subject of baptism. Simple as that. Right? Now, today we want to put our emphasis upon baptism, particularly water baptism. Now, I contend, based upon what the Word of God teaches, that baptism in water is essential to salvation. I believe that, I am sure, and I am confident that that's what the Scriptures teach, and I will always contend for that. But I also believe that Jesus is our Savior I also believe that he purchased our redemption on his cross. And that baptism is linked to Christ Jesus because he taught it. And he taught the reason and the purpose of baptism in water. And likewise, we are baptized into his death. As was just read by a few moments ago by Brother Matthew, Romans 6, 3 and 4. He shed his blood on the cross, and therefore we are baptized into his death. So there's a connection between the cross and water baptism, just as much as there is a connection between Christ and water baptism. By way of alliteration this morning, let's think about baptism. First of all, I want you to notice with me how baptism is connected to belief. Belief. Now, most of those who consider themselves to be a part of Christianity would say that belief is a very fundamental part of Christianity. I believe in Christ, and we do not deny that. Jesus is the author of Christianity. It is named for him, for Jesus indeed is the Christ, who then came into this world to seek and to save those who are lost, Luke 19 10. But Jesus is the Christ who is the Savior of the world, and there is no doubt 
about that. But over and over again, in the book of John, so much emphasis is placed upon the deity of Christ. Now, Matthew, of course, is a gospel account of our Lord, and it speaks of the kingdom of Christ. He was a Jew, speaking to Jews about a Jew. And in Mark's account, God is speaking to the Roman world, and his emphasis is on Jesus Christ as the servant of God. The purpose for Luke's account was to identify that Jesus was the very son of man as Jesus. But in the book of John, Jesus Christ is identified as the very son of God, the savior of the world. And in chapter 3 of the book of John, if you open your Bibles to that, you'll find that there's a conversation that is being held with a man named Nicodemus. John chapter 3. And there was a statement made by our Lord that has become known as the golden verse, the golden passage, the golden text of the entire Bible. Look at verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So belief in Christ, it is essential to our salvation. I'm sure that we can all agree on that. And sometimes belief is called faith. And in Hebrews 11 and verse 4, no, verse 6, it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So belief in Christ, faith in Him, is absolutely necessary if one wants to be saved. Now, Jesus is speaking, and these words are recorded in John 8, 24, where he says that I said, therefore, unto you, except you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. In verse 21 of that same chapter, he says, if you die in your sins, whither I go, ye cannot come. And Jesus is in heaven. So we realize that belief in Christ, that faith in him absolutely is essential if one desires to be saved. But belief or faith in the New Testament throughout the entire Bible is always active, isn't it? It's always active. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead. Being alone, James 2, 17 tells us. That we are not justified by faith alone in the New Testament because the faith in the New Testament is active. It's not inactive. Now, it's just that simple, right? Now, so it is in Luke 6 and verse 46 that Jesus then would ask this question. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? If I am your Savior, then listen to what I say and follow them. In Romans 6 and verse 17, again we're reading from that particular chapter, Romans 6, as we were a few moments ago. But in verse 17, it says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but that ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. 
He obeys from where? The heart, from the mind, from the inside. He obeys from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered unto him. And in that very same chapter, Romans 6, he has been discussing the essentiality and the purpose of baptism. And so it is that one who is baptized scripturally then has believed in Christ and he understands the purpose of baptism. Now, Jesus stated its purpose in Mark 16, 16, when he said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Belief and baptism are joined together by the conjunction word and. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Many of us remember that schoolhouse rock from days gone by. But he that believeth, believeth, keeps on believing, and is baptized shall be saved. Now who made that statement? Well, Jesus did. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who speaks with all authority, Matthew 28, 18, spoke those words just prior to ascending to his Father in heaven. He spoke those words to his chosen apostles. Now, that is the message that they preached during their ministry here on this earth, right? The church was established, the apostles preached, and the others who learned from them preached that same message that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So connected, baptism is connected to belief. Now, here's the second point. Not only is baptism connected to belief, but baptism is likewise connected to the birth. Look, go back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. It is connected to a birth. In that conversation that we find with Nicodemus, listen to what Jesus says to this man. Now, he was a Pharisee who was very interested in Jesus and who even claimed, Master, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for nobody can do these things except God be with him. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto you, verse 3, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now that's verse 3. Now look at verse 5. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now the concept of family is something that ought to appeal to all of us. It's wonderful to have family members with us every chance that we can. But for all of us are members of a family, and so we know that the church sometimes is identified as the family of God. <coughs> we say that on occasions. This is the family of God. Who else would you want to be with but your family, right? But that was prophesied by Isaiah, the prophet in Isaiah 2, verses 2 and 3, when he spoke of the building of the house of God. And in 1 Timothy 3, Paul was writing to Timothy, and he says in verse 14, These things write I unto you, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, 
that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. The house of God, God's family. Over and over again, we find throughout the book of Ephesians that you find that the church is described in very different ways. And in Ephesians 2 and verse 19, Paul describes the church as the household or the family of God. Noah, for example, in Hebrews eleven seven, by faith, he would save his house, right? That's his family. Who, who, when he built that ark, according to God's instructions, he saved his family or his house. God says he has a family. And that family is the church. And how do we get into this family? We are born into it by means of the new birth. And by the way, God has no children outside his family. God has no children outside his family. One must be born into the family of God. And so baptism is involved, involved in this new birth. When Jesus said, Nicodemus, except you be born again, except you be born of water and of the Spirit, he has reference to what? He has reference to the baptism in water. The new birth is when a penitent believer has been baptized in water. And so that brings about a new creation, a new creation. How wonderful it is to be able to hold a, a new little baby in your arms. A gift from God, isn't it? And sometimes a child of God is called a babe or a new creation. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, he says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. In him, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now that's emphasized likewise in Romans chapter 6. We were reading in verses 3 or 4 a few moments ago, but notice verses 5 and 6. He's talking about rising the walk in newness of life. And the Apostle Paul says, for if we have been planted, planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this first, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So there is one that is now in Christ who is identified as a new creature or a new creation. And likewise, if we think about this, remember what Peter wrote concerning baptism when he spoke in 1 Peter 3 of the antediluvian world? In verses 20 and 21, how that Noah was preaching to that world that was in sin, roughly some 1 million to 2 million people on the earth at that time. But when the flood came and the flood waters rose above the earth, but those in the ark were saved, eight souls Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives. And then when the waters receded, Noah and his family left the, earth, the ark. And they were then in a new world. A new world that had been washed. It had been cleansed. 
And so it is, Peter writes in verse 21, he says, The like figure went to baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Pretty simple, isn't it? When one goes into the act of baptism, he leaves one world and thus enters into a new world. A new world. Now, he rises to walk in newness of life. A new life. He is a new creature in Christ. He has been born again. And so it is that this word baptism, water baptism, is something that is connected to belief, but it's also something that's connected to the birth as well. Number three, baptism is also connected to a body. To a body. What body? What is the body spiritually speaking? Well, we can go to Ephesians chapter 1, and you remember what I said just a few moments ago about the book of Ephesians, how that the church is described in so many different ways. But in Ephesians 1, we find that Christ is exalted, that he is supreme, and he's now placed far above all principality and power and might and dominion in verse 21. He's got a name, and that is above every name. And the text says in verse 22, God had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now notice this, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Well, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, you might remember Colossians is a companion book to the book of Ephesians. And in verse 18, in verse 18 of Colossians 1, we read that Christ is the head of the body, which is the church. And so baptism is connected to the body, which is the church. And let's, let's follow this through to notice just how that's done. Salvation is found in Christ Jesus. Paul stated that very clear in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 10. But not only that, according to Ephesians 1, 3, every spiritual blessing that can be found is found where? In Christ. Good study for you to do. Just go through the book of Ephesians. Look at the word in and you'll notice that a lot of times it's in Christ. Right? That salvation is located in a particular place. It's in Christ. That includes redemption. That includes the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1.7. And here's what is important. If salvation is located in Christ, then how does one get into Christ? For as many as you has been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Galatians 3.27. We're literally clothed with Christ when we're baptized into Christ. So salvation is in Christ. We are baptized into Christ. But did you know that the same baptism that puts one into the, the Christ likewise puts you into the body, which is the church? How interesting, huh? 
1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. So the same baptism that puts one into the Christ puts one into the body of Christ. It can't be separated. You can't have one without the other. You see, there's no authority whatsoever to say to somebody, upon you becoming a Christian, you need to go join the church. No. No. You don't join the church. But what we read in the New Testament is this, that those who are in Christ by means of baptism are likewise in the body or the church. And the Lord added you to it, Acts 2.47. Acts 2.47. You remember in Acts chapter 2 when Peter responded to those who cried out, what must we do? He then said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Acts 2.38. And then in verse 47. Then the, Lord, then the Lord added to the church daily. Such as should be saved. Pretty simple. So those who repented and were baptized into Christ. Were likewise added to the church of Christ. That's how simple it is. And so baptism is connected to belief. Baptism is connected to a birth. And that baptism is connected to a body as well. But then also baptism is connected to a burial. A burial. Now it's amazing what some might call baptism. Uh, There are those who practice sprinkling and call it baptism. There are some that will sprinkle little babies and, and say that they are baptizing them. But now you, you're talking about that, that something that's really odd. Because if baptism is for the remission of sins, hmm, where is it that that baby ever sinned? I mean, to have remission of sins, the forgiveness of sins, did that baby have sin? Was that baby born with sin? No. That baby was born into the world of sin, but the baby is not born with sin. That's a really strange doctrine to believe that you can baptize babies when babies are innocent. Now, some will call sprinkling or pouring water on top of one's head as baptism, but it's not. But baptism is immersion. Immersion in water. And so our text this morning makes that very... uh, abundantly clear Romans 6 3 and 4 know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we also shall walk in newness of life that's right one is completely covered in water immersion You do not take a dead person, sprinkle dirt on top of his head, and say he's buried. You don't take a dead person and pour dirt on top of him and say he's buried. But when they are totally in the ground and there is no evidence at all other than that the dirt that was removed and put back, are they buried? The same way with immersion in water when it calls for baptism. Baptism is a holy consume. 
to dip the plunge. Buried. As Romans 6, 3 and 4 says. And if Romans chapter 6 is not enough, listen to the Apostle Paul in Colossians 2 and verse 12. And may I say, Romans 6 is enough. But listen to Colossians 2.12. When we are buried with him in baptism, wherein also Paul says, ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who had raised him from the dead. And according to John 3 and verse 23, it was John the baptizer who baptized in a place called Anon, And do you know the reason why? There was much water there. Much water. Now pray tell me, if there's sprinkling or pouring as baptism, you don't have to go too far. You can find a little well. Just pull out a little bit of water and sprinkle and pour. But that's not what the Bible teaches. They had to go where there was much water so that that person could be buried in that water for baptism. And it's true. Because in Acts chapter 8, after Philip had preached Christ unto the Ethiopian nobleman, verse 35, the eunuch said, Well, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? See, they were traveling by. He saw a lake or body of water. And he said, What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And they commanded the chariot to stand still, and they both went down into the water. Tell me, if it's sprinkling or pouring, why are you going down into the water? Because it's immersion. And they both went down into the water, and he baptized him. And when he came up out of the waters of baptism, he went on his way rejoicing. Why? He had salvation. He was saved. Baptism is a burial. It's a burial in water. And so baptism is connected not only to belief, not only to the birth, the new birth, and not only to a body, but it's also connected to a burial. But then also, I want you to notice that baptism is connected to the blood. Right? The blood. The blood of whom? Well, the blood of Jesus. In Romans 5 and verse 9, We learn that we are justified by blood. But whose blood? Jesus. And according to uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, he says how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Jesus went to the cross. He laid down his life for you and me that we might be saved from our sin. Now, again, that is commonly accepted in what is called Christianity by people in the world who claim to be a Christian. Yes, we have been saved by the blood of Jesus. But what we're talking about this morning, not only the importance of baptism, but also the essentiality of baptism. Yes, Jesus shed his blood on the cross, and oh, what a vicious death he died. And yes, I want to put emphasis on that cross because on that cross, I have salvation. And Jesus suffered immense pain before he even got to that cross. And then on that cross, you remember how cruel it was. And there he was crucified between two thieves wearing a crown of thorns, 
crucified on that cross. And by Roman soldiers who were skilled in that particular means of capital punishment, that it was there that Jesus died. The prophets had written that not one bone of his body would be broken. And not one bone of his body was broken. But it is said that the soldier that came to Jesus, seeing that he was already dead, he took out a spear and he pierced Jesus' side and came out blood and water. Well, there are two elements involved there, isn't there? Blood and water. When we consider our salvation, there's blood and water. When one is baptized, he sees the water. For one goes down into the pool of water to be baptized. You see the water, but you don't see the blood of Jesus. Well, we know that the blood of Jesus is applied. Here's how we know. Because in Romans 10, 17, it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And the word of God tells us that when we are baptized, we're baptized into the death of Jesus. And Jesus shed his blood in his death. And therefore, when we are baptized into his death, that blood of Jesus cleanses our sin-stained soul. That all sin is removed. And we can say yes, because we have been baptized into his death. We have been saved by his blood. You see? Now, the act of baptism doesn't magically do something to, to somebody in the sense that we never sin again. Every person who's ever been baptized will say, yes, I've sinned after I was baptized. But aren't we fortunate because after we have been baptized for the remission of sins, that that blood still keeps us cleansed. We are still relying upon the blood of Jesus for our forgiveness. But he tells us this is what we have to do to be able to receive that cleansing blood even after we've been baptized. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us. That means it keeps on cleansing us from all sin. All we have to do is repent of it and pray that God will forgive us. Now, what's the difference between one who is in Christ, one who has been baptized for the remission of their sins, and one that has not done that? Well, one is forgiven, the other is not. That's really the basic difference. One is forgiven, the other is not. And so it is having been baptized into Christ, the blood of Jesus flowed over my soul, forgave my sins, and that blood keeps on forgiving me of my sins. It keeps on flowing to keep me clean. And oh, how wonderful it is to be in Christ and how wonderful it is to learn the importance of being baptized into Christ and that baptism did not make me sinlessly perfect in the sense that I can never sin again. That's a false doctrine. But oh, the means is available now to keep me free from sin, to keep me cleansed having been baptized into Christ, where I can come in contact with his precious blood.
Why is it that something this simple, something this easy to understand, is so despised and rejected? Baptism. We're studying something from the New Testament this morning. Much emphasis is placed upon it. It's connected to a belief. It's connected to a birth. It's connected to a body. It's connected to a burial. And it is likewise connected to the blood. Jesus' blood. That's all easy to understand. So why then is there so much misunderstanding and rejection of this teaching? The only thing I can figure out is that the God of this world wants to blind us from that truth. He blinds minds. The God of this world, I'm talking about Satan, the devil, does not want us to know that belief in Christ is connected to our baptism. The God of this world, I'm talking about Satan, the devil, does not want us to know that our baptism is likewise connected to the new birth. The God of this world, I'm talking about Satan, the devil, does not want us to know that our baptism is connected to a burial and then likewise connected to the body and likewise connected to the blood. He don't want us to know that. He don't want us to be saved. He don't want us with God. And for sure, the God of this world does not want us to connect baptism to the blood of Jesus Christ where we can have salvation. And so it is that there are those who cry out even at this hour. What must we do? Well, there are well-trained professionals who will say this. Well, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. You see, that's Satan speaking. And when that happens, Satan accomplishes his mission. The new birth is aborted. It is aborted. And people remain in their sins thinking that they are okay. And so, my friends, I hope that you are listening this morning. That baptism and baptism should not overshadow Christ and his cross, but it is connected to Christ Jesus and his cross. Because Jesus taught baptism for the remission of sins when he said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And it's connected to the cross because it was connected to his death on that cross. If you understand that and you know what you need to do, are you willing to do that? The time is now. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you're willing to make those changes in your life called repentance, Luke 13, 3. If you're willing to make that, that confession of the sweet name of Jesus, Romans 10, 10, and then put the Lord on in baptism for the remission of your sins, Acts 2, 38, Mark 16, 16, and then be added to the Lord's church, which is his body, Acts 2, 47, Colossians 2.12, and many other verses. You might be already a child of God. Remember that blood can continue to cleanse you if only you repent of that sin. Pray that God will forgive you. And here we are to help you in any way. But you have to come as together we stand and sing.